0: Fantasy Football Faithful. It's your boy, Matty Kewoom. And welcome to another episode of Kewoom and Jones Fantasy Football Show. As always, I am joined by my esteemed co-host. You can find him on the Bird app, dropping gambling picks. You can find him on Twitter, spitting that fuego. And you can find him on the Yellow Card Podcast, talking a little football. My podcast, brethren, the down. Chris Jones, what's going on, my brother what's
1: going on homie? uh also big uh you're gonna want to listen to the lgar podcast these next couple of weeks because there's also some soccer gambling as well that could be could be added to the mix a little spicy spicy dropping a little take right there
0: for the boys oh, that is spicy some gambling on football internationale, I like it.
1: Can't wait. Do you have any?
0: Uh, do you have any preview picks for the for our listeners here for the rest of the week?
1: I'm gonna have to wait and see. Oh, because soccer, officially, starts in the Premier League next week. Okay, so stay tuned.
0: Okay, okay. Well, we got a great show here for you tonight. Um, as promised on Twitter, my man Jonesy is gonna help grade my Scott Fishbowl team. Uh, we have some trades that we're going to give our reflection on, give him a little grading. Uh, but first, let's do a little news and notes. First of all, I got to say John Mechie was diagnosed with leukemia, and we just want to say we wish him the best. We wish him a strong and swift recovery. Cancer sucks, and Mr. Mechie is going to beat it. And I can speak for Jones on this. We will be rooting for him the entire way. We cannot wait to see him get back on the field because the man's talented. And when you see someone that young, uh, you're quickly reminded uh, that, you know, life is a lot more important than the the football that we all love.
1: Listen, I had him in some late round drafts and stuff like that. So I was very much so looking forward to seeing what John Menchie had for the Houston Texans this year. Obviously, we're not going to be able to see that. Hoping for a big recovery because I think if he is fully healthy, I think next year could be a big year for the guy because he's extremely talented.
0: Super talented and, like I said, strong and swift recovery. John Mechie, get well, my brother. This is no word of a lie. Approximately 1 million players have been placed on the active pup list. We're not really going to talk about many of them here tonight because I don't know if too many are super noteworthy just yet because they can all be activated at any point in time at camp. So we will keep you posted as we keep recording. But as of right now, uh, it's just too much to get into. I don't know how relevant it is. But two running backs are not going to start the year on the pup list, and that's James Robinson and Raheem Mostert. Jones, how do you feel about these two backs now knowing they could start week one and be on the field?
1: Raheem Mostert will be off the field by week three. So it's not going to make a difference.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to make a difference. For me. Uh,
1: I think James Robinson's more of the interesting one. I think for me now in redraft leagues, Travis Etienne, that ADP becomes undraftable with the, unnes- the unnecessary knowing of the volume that James Robinson will carry compared to Travis Etienne. It's going to be Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams-esque, for me, last year, it's going to stink. I want Travis Etienne to succeed. However, I don't know how it's going to look with James Robinson potentially getting is slated to play in week one. Could they go 60 40 to start off? And then when Robinson gets fully healthy, it goes 50 50. It's a wait and see situation. We had to see what training camp looks like. But right now, I'm kind of staying away from both of them in the drafts just based on the uncertainty.
0: The thing about James Robinson, obviously it does throw a wrinkle in everything because ETN's also coming back from injury. We have never seen him play. So we don't know exactly how the Jaguars, and new head coach, Doug Peterson, will roll it out. So it's definitely something to monitor. But I'm way less worried about most when it comes to my Chase Edmonds love. Uh, So, yeah, I'm not really going to get into that too much. Kyle Rudolph is back from the proverbial dead. He has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and is expected to take on uh, what I thought was uh, something of the bulk of the Gronk role. I can't remember the exact term. Do you remember what it was? He's basically going to shoulder a bulk of that Gronk load. Are you uh, interested now in in Rudolph as a late dart throw?
1: He might be one of those tight ends that go outside the top 17 that could potentially finish in the top five next year with that quarterback. I don't know, quite frankly, how I feel about it yet. I need to see Brady and him go in camp. I know how Brady is with his tight ends. He loves his tight ends. If Rudolph can catch the football, it might be a, a Cam and Bright with Jameis Winston type of situation where he's just very touchdown heavy this year.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know how interested I am in Rudolph. He He's really going to be touchdown dependent. We've seen his... Efficiencies, his total yardage is basically fall off a cliff over the past three years. But I mean, he does bring that veteran presence and he has been a former producer from 2016 to 2018. He didn't finish outside of the top 12 at tight end and damn near finished with 10 points a game each year. Uh but for him to produce, he's gonna see he's gonna need to see close to double-digit touchdowns, uh, in my opinion. Now the backside of that whole thing is it could. It could happen. It could. I could see it because you know you have Godwin on the shelf to start. You have no AB, no Gronk. Uh, so we'll see how all of that shifts um, come the uh, the regular season for the Buccaneers. So definitely something to keep an eye on. And if you had him at a dirt cheap level, you're probably pretty happy because you never know where that could lead. Jones is right. He's with Brady. So we don't know exactly what his ceiling was. People were excited about Cameron Brake, If you were going to be excited about Cameron Brait, I mean, you might as well be excited about Kyle Rudolph, I guess, in my opinion. Jameson Williams. He is on the non-football injury list. I know that sounds drastic, but let me just inform you really quickly. It's basically the pup list, but because the injury happened in college, they were allowed to put him on the non-football list as opposed to the active pup list. So he's basically on track for the same uh, trajectory as he was a week ago. Just now you're finding out they're going to use him on the non-football injury list. Last bit of news, and it's a doozy. The Cardinals extended Kyler Murray for a, a massive deal, $230.5 million over five years, 160 of that is guaranteed. Jones, first of all, let me hear your thoughts on the ext- the extension as a whole. And did you happen to uh, catch the uh, Ian Rappaport tweet a few hours ago?
1: Uh, Yes, I did. Uh, One, Arizona. What a waste of money. Absolute waste of money, man. Don't get me wrong. Kyle Murray is talented. However, they have not been great. Listen, I know they were good last year. They start off the year really, really hot. They finish the season very, very poorly. There's a Cliff Kingsbury stat out there that he starts the season very, very well. And then the last... It's from like week ten or week eleven on, he's one of the worst coaches in all football.
0: Yeah, you used that stat last week. So if you, I'll want use to get it, it. I'll keep using it.
1: No, it's a great how stat. much I don't trust the Cardinals this year.
0: Uh, I am. He's there's no doubt that the guy is very very talented. He's a super athlete. Uh, he gets the most out of his five ten two oh seven frame. I I don't know. Maybe the whole, he hasn't really proven that he can take your team to the promised land just yet. And the whole off season thing, you know, he was some rumblings of him trying to shoot his way out of town. Potentially, uh, they made the Hollywood Brown trade in hopes to keep him, since they were for former college teammates. Uh, but you know, he he still he's still so young. He's still so young, only twenty five years old, basically. And you know, that can all be put behind him if he comes out, plays football, and doesn't have to win a super bowl per se to earn that contract but get your team keep him competitive you know don't just get blown out in the first round get there you know you and try to beat those teams they are in a crazy tough division uh but at the same time it's like you get a guy that's talented it's tough to let him go but this might mean an absolute payday for your boy Lamar uh Jackson
1: well they're not rushing anything with Lamar Jackson and unfortunately Lamar Jackson's going to get. If Kyle Amari got what he got, and Deshaun Watson, who played zero to no football in 2021, got what he got, Lamar Jackson is going to make very much so more than that. Well deservingly. Guys won an MVP. Not Patrick Mahomes' ask money, but I think right in the middle between them, I think realistically, we're looking at if. The Ravens want to keep Lamar, it's gonna be in the upward north of three hundred million. Now, this is my comparison that I use to everybody that I talk to about this Kyle Murray deal. Do you think fantasy and real life that Kyle Kyler Murray is the top seven quarterback in this league right now?
0: My my gut reaction is yes.
1: I don't think so. So this is why I think it's a big waste of money. I think he's just outside the top 10 in real-life quarterbacks. I think there are 10 quarterbacks that are easily better than Kyler Murray in football. And fantasy-wise, I see him inside the top 10 because of rushing upside, but I don't see him finishing higher than eight this year.
0: Okay, one last bit on Kyler Murray before we get into the bulk of the show. Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts heading into 2022? Who do you got in redraft?
1: Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is going to finish his QB1 this year in fantasy football.
0: Yes, we had that debate last week about the QB sitch in Correct. fantasy.
1: Jalen Hurts finishes QB1 in football this year, just so you know. It's happening.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I I don't know if he finishes QB1, but I think I would have to give the nod. I, something about Hurts and the addition of A.J. Brown and the rumors of them giving him the full you know, uh rain to to really get this offense going to see if he's going to be their franchise QB, something all that he's using a competitor. And when you put it all together, I, I'm, I'm big on Jalen hurts, but if I roster Kyler Murray and dicey, I am pretty thrilled that he is now extended and he can just kind of just stay where he's at and not worry about the, that type of thing. He's, you know, one of the most highest paid players in the league that helps boost the confidence. He should be ready to rock and roll heading into this fantasy football season. That's all I got for news and notes. Jones, you might have seen me tweeting out this whole thing. I, we, The the Twitter handle, the show's Twitter handle, had asked you what you thought. You said you were going to save your thoughts for the next show. So we are going to dive into that now. Uh, but before we get your opinion, let me just catch up. If there's any listeners out there that aren't familiar with the Scott Fish poll, uh, it's a, a pretty big league. I think this year there's about 3,000 teams over, a you know, a number of different leagues. Uh, it's all for charity. It's all for fun. It is a super flex, tight end premium, uh, 12 team divisions that you could call it. I was in the Providence, Rhode Island division, uh, you know, being based out of New Bedford. It's an easier drive for your boy to get to Providence than it is Boston or Worcester or some of the other ones. But it's a great, you know, it's a it's a great tradition. This is Scott Baseball Bish, Bish Twelve, so it's been going on for some time now. The amount of people in it, it's you know, you, you if there's someone that you follow in in the industry, he's probably uh, either in the league or will be in the league within the next year or so. So it's definitely a fun uh, event. And this year uh, I got in and. The thing that was cool about Scott Fish, Jones, I don't know if you know this, you got to pick where you drafted from. And if your league kind of, if it all went accordingly, you got to stick there. If there was double ups, there was, I guess, some tiebreakers there. But I picked the 101 Superflex. I felt that it was important to get Josh Allen. So I'm just going to go ahead for the listeners and just bang through the lineup. Kind of just... Machine Gun Kelly style, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, and maybe we can dive in a little bit here, a little bit there. What do you say? Before
1: before you do that, I need to make a plea here. I love pleas. Next year, Scott Fish Bowl 13. Scott Fish. You got to have the Don in there, bro.
0: You got to make sure you sign up, Jones.
1: Bro, I signed up, and I didn't get it this year. Okay. Got to have the dawn on there. Nobody we else calls Super Cup, cup breakout season like
0: your boy. No, we need to get the Don in there. We do. We do. We do. We do. And then next year we can critique our. You know what? No. Would you play next year, Jones? We are going to be in the same division. There's no way we're not going to go toe to toe mano a mano in one of the greatest fantasy football arenas known to man. There is. It's gonna
1: happen.
0: Alright, so let me just, like I said, Machine Gun Kelly, right through. 101, I went Josh Allen. Second round, Mark Andrews. It was third round reversal, so I had the last pick in the third round. Went with Mr. Stephon Diggs. Fourth round, Saquon Barkley, Michael Pittman, D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Dillon in the seventh, Chase Edmonds, Alan Lazard, Jared Goff as my QB2 in round 10, Albert O in 11, Jacoby Myers, Kenneth Gainwell, Jahan Dotson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jalen Tober in round 16, Samir White, uh, KJ Osborne. There is kickers this year. And I took Greg Joseph in round 19. And my last three picks went as such. Rob Gronkowski, uh, Abram Smith, and Drew Locke. I am going to mute my mic. I am going to sit back. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. And I want to hear your thoughts, my man. The Don Jones.
1: Alright, so let's dive in here. So, obviously, we know Maddie's very high on the Josh allen Stephon Diggs duo. Stacked them? Very much so. 101, I would have went a different way, but again, this is me, not most of the people. Most people would have taken Josh Allen the spot that you've got him at. So, the fact that you have Josh Allen, I think, for you is a good start off the bat. I think, relatively speaking, your first six picks, I think were... We're pretty solid overall. I will. I won't lie to you here. I think the three-headed monster at receiver and Stephon Diggs, Michael Pittman, the D.K. Metcalf, is very, very solid. And here's why: Stephon Diggs is going to finish in the top ten this year, probably. I think otherwise, but more, more than likely, Stephon Diggs will finish top ten. Michael Pittman has the potential to finish in the top ten, just based off of Matt Ryan. Based off where this Indianapolis Colts offense is, this could be Michael Pittman's breakout season. Excuse me. D.K. Metcalf is a top 15 receiver, easily. We saw last year what his numbers were when someone like Geno Smith was strong. It's hard to tell me that D.K. Metcalf is going to be the Seattle receiver that struggles. I think the Seattle receiver that struggles is Tyler Lockett. I think D.K. Metcalf makes up in this in this duo combination with Drew Locke. Also, you have a, the bye week, you know, your, Drew Locke and DK Metcalf stack as well. We've been on to talk about that. I think running back wise, Saquon Barkley could finish driving on this year. There's potential. He's fully healthy, and Brian the Bull is gonna build that offense around him, and he's going to have a, a solid freaking season. AJ Dillon, I'm iffy on him. But I love the Chase Edmonds pick. I think Chase Edmonds has one of the better upsides for these running backs that are going later in rounds eight to ten. I think he's going to be amazing. I I like him. Albert O. getting him as your tight end too, very much. So could finish in the top five this year with Ross in the football. We'll have to wait and see. I think for your later picks, I think Jalen Tolbert is a steal at sixteen one. Wide receiver two, the first four or five weeks of the season could stay there if Michael Gallup fully isn't 100%. KJ Osborne has potential to be a solid wide receiver three with the Vikings this year, especially if they're going to be a pass-heavy offense. And I absolutely love Kenneth Gainwell as just kind of a filling back. They're a run-heavy team. He's going to get some touches this year. I don't like Miles Sanders. I like Kenny G to get some touches over him as well. The one pick I don't like out of that, it's Kobe Myers, 12-1. I think he's the wide receiver that regresses this season from the Pats. And I think getting him there, I think you probably could have gotten some some other guys at that spot that could have been a better fit for your team. However, all around, I like Josh Allen and Jared Goff that those are your two that you're going to run in the Superflex. Overall, I think this team is a B, draft a, B. I think it has the potential to be an A-minus. Towards the end of the season, given two things going your way. DK Metcalf, continuing to get the targets and the most receptions for the Seahawks. And Chase Edmonds, baby. Chase Edmonds. Those are the two that I because you know what you're gonna get from Josh Allen, you know what you're gonna get from Mark Andrews, Stephon Diggs, Pittman having the breakout year, But O having the breakout year potentially. Edmonds and Metcalf are those two that will literally Make a break your season in Scott Fishbowl 12th.
0: <laughs> yeah, so just to kind of give you some of my perspective here, I kind of came out of this feeling like a B-minus, uh, to be honest. Um, first and foremost, I I went in, you know, I, I did some mock drafts. Shout out Cody Carpentier. Uh, he ran a whole bunch of Scott Fishbowl mocks. So, I, you know, I, I got to give him massive props for getting me a little bit prepared. I was looking to go two quarterbacks, two running backs in my first four picks. That's kind of where I felt like I could squeeze the most value out of the the 101 in this draft. But as it came to me, the the quarterback run before my second pick was insane. I mean, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Jalen Hurts, Matt Stafford and Tom Brady all went in the second round. So you take that off the top. There was nothing there. If I was going to go quarterback in the second round, I was going to have to go two to Matt Ryan. And I just was not prepared to do that. I did not want to crash into the beach riding that wave. So I pivoted and I had to absolutely pivot right out of the gate, which was not comfortable. And you don't like doing that. Uh, And then I was, you know, sniped on a few, not too, too crazy. I thought I was going to get Russell Gage instead of, um, Jacoby Myers in that swing, I went Albert O and Jacoby. I Russell Gage went right before Albert O. So if I could have gone Russell Gage and Albert O, I would have been ecstatic. I do think Kobe uh, Jacoby could be good. This is a half point PPR league though. So it's not as uh juicy as it would be in full in full PPR. But, you know, with Mac taking a step forward and potentially him going along with uh, Myers taking the ride along with him, I I have hopes for him, but not super high. I did think one thing, uh, one part of the team that I did uh, kind of not enjoy, but I thought I did kind of well was stacking up the what I believe to be safer picks and upside picks. Um, like a guy like Jahan Dotson and Jalen Tolbert after Jacoby Myers. Like, I feel like week one, I can go Myers without a whole bunch of uh being you know being nervous, but all of a sudden Dotson and Tolbert pop, or you know, Thielen goes down and KJ turns up. That kind of gives me a little bit of maybe second half boom, which you definitely want in a tournament style uh league like this. But again, why I wasn't super thrilled was you know Goff is my QB two that was not in the cards. I was really, really, really gunning for Derek Carr. I'm big, 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 big fan of him this year with Kirk Cousins. I was really into one of those two as my second QB. So to have to go with the discount version of those guys with Jared Goff, I wasn't particularly thrilled. It could have a good turnout uh, overall, but I again, I just I could be super capped on my overall point output. Because of my QB2, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, even if Drew Locke is your everyday starter, I mean, every week starter all year, there's a really cap ceiling with that QB2 spot. So uh, I, I I, was happy with my team overall. Like I said, B minus is um, pretty happy with that. Given my, my first go around here in Scott Fishbowl, uh, but yeah, it it could really end up not being great. There's a lot of rickety boards holding up this house. So we'll
1: see. Can I, can I ask you a question?
0: Of course, you can ask me eight questions.
1: In these leagues, where do those sophomore quarterbacks that struggled last year went? So, like, where did Fields go? Where did Zach Wilson go? Trevor Lawrence potentially. So,
0: there obviously there's like there's a whole bunch of ADP data from the Scott Fishbowl itself. But in my particular league, uh, my division, Fields and Lawrence both went in round six before. Uh, I no actually that no, would not have been before. So I had the chance to take uh, either of those guys, but it would have been at the, you know, it would have been instead of Pittman Metcalf. And although I believe in the talent profiles of a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Fields, I felt like um, relying on that second year breakout it made me a bit nervous. Of course, right. scared money don't make money in big tournaments. But I thought with my first go-around, I wanted to build a safe floor because I just wanted to be in the dance at the end because you never know what can happen. And I didn't want to have a team that just completely wasn't – you couldn't even root for it uh, you know halfway through based on you know underperforming guys, injuries, all that stuff, which I guess still could technically happen. But I was trying to stay away from investing a top six, six pick on, on a quarterback that I feel like – You know, given Goff's uh, offensive weapons, uh, given his accuracy, because there is an accuracy bonus in Scott Fishbowl, which is like this cool wrinkle uh, that if you're finished, if you finish the game with 66% or higher, you get a bonus. And if you don't, you get negative. So it really rewards accurate quarterbacks, which is why I love Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. Um, But Goff is also a very accurate quarterback. And with Amon Ross, St. Brown, and DeAndre Swift and T.J. Hawkins, I feel like there's a lot of high, like uh, easier targets to be had. Uh, really, you know, not going to push the ball all crazy. So I think he'll get his accuracy. Will be there. So to to grab him four rounds later than the second year guys, I, I'm happy with that. I was definitely that was like my plan D, but it was still a plan over taking those dudes early. Would you have taken Lawrence or Field in the sixth? Uh, or fifth or sixth swing instead of Michael Pittman, D.K. Metcalf?
1: I might have taken him over, over D.K., but I definitely probably wouldn't have taken him over, uh, over Pittman because I I just think Pittman's value is, is so high this year that you kind of have to take him to that spot. So I've been preparing for my, my belly-up fantasy draft as well. It's um, just super flexibly uh, quarterback so early. I've been doing mock drafts all day, however. But I, I have been, been sneaking around and grabbing guys like Trevor Lawrence to be my QB2 in the, the fourth and fifth round in, the, in those drafts as well. So that's why I was kind of curious to see. I wanted to see where other other these other types of quarterbacks were going as well. Because right now, I had a mock draft that I did earlier, and I picked a 10 out of 12. And I didn't feel comfortable drafting any of those quarterbacks there. So what did I do? I poked up on receivers. I took Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase my first two rounds. And then waited for, and took Derek Carr in the fourth round. I love it. And I now have a three, I had a three headed monster. I did Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Michael Pittman all in the first five rounds.
0: What did your QBs look like in that mock?
1: I took Derek Carr in four and I took Trevor Lawrence at six.
0: Ooh. I do like that. That's like, that. that is a good grouping in best ball because uh, you're looking at, Super high ceilings. And a, at least one guy has a really good floor, I think, in Derek Carr. Uh, in the in the Best Ball Dynasty League that we did with the 40 chess guys and the off-the-line guys, shout-out to Gene, uh, Ike, Mike, and Adam. I went Jalen Hurts into Trevor Lawrence with my – q q b so in dynasty, obviously I'm willing to take that chance because if it doesn't click this year for Lawrence, I'm not going to give him away. he's still gonna be my kind of in my future plans, but I can retool, and I still believe in the upside. you right. know you don't lose that talent after one bad year with a with a lunatic head coach
1: right no, I agree with one hundred percent and then, like honestly, like I took a stab i I have Daniel Jones, I took him in the knife to kind of bounce off and potentially fill in uh, on those two weeks that these guys need with the buys. Well, I mean, my running backs, man, I went Javante in the third, I went Kremont in the seventh, I got Rashad in the eighth, and then Ch- even Chase Edmonds fell to me in ten in this mock draft like this. So I'm I'm feeling confident about my potential with this team that I have right now in the mock draft. Obviously it's not a real team I'm waiting to do that draft, I'm just mocking it up. But I am Depressed. very curious to see what my team looks like uh, at the end of this draft.
0: Nah, no, definitely interesting.
1: Because in this one is a super flex league, but you also take a defense and a kicker as well. Oh, okay. At tw- it's okay. twenty rounds.
0: Is it? Did you say it was best ball, or did I just assume it was?
1: Um, you just assumed it was.
0: Oh, okay, so I got my I got my my brain mixed up with the one I was going to talk about. And so yeah, you'll have to make the decisions on your QBs, but the, the floor and ceiling combo I do think is uh, pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. Let me ask you this. This is a rumor going around right now on the NFL uh, circuit that there's a potential fit for Jimmy G in New York. Jimmy G gets traded to the football Giants. Who do you think is QB1? Who do you want to be QB1?
1: That'd be an interesting one, honestly. I think if I had to pick one, I think you you ride with the veteran there. I mean, Daniel Jones is entering the final year of his contract, so you hope that he can get that chance to get himself another another good little payday. But the way it's looking, man, I mean, I think they just kind of have to go in a different direction. And with that being said, I think I would even do myself a favor, and I'd probably start – I would start Jimmy G, but I think I'd have to give Daniel Jones at least a – an attempt you know
0: that's a great point it was actually exactly what i was thinking i hate that landing spot for jimmy g if you're drafting now and you have him on your roster because if he doesn't lead this team to victories and he's just able to keep them afloat maybe win a game they're not supposed to but lose as many as they are uh they're gonna turn to daniel jones this is their last year having him under the under control They did, you know, I know it's not this regime, but a regime took him in the top 10 of the NFL football draft. So there is some sort of pedigree there in terms of his uh, prospect profile. They're going to turn to him if Jimmy G is not the guy unequivocally. And because of that, it's. I don't like that for any type of like, um, you know, no trade leagues, you know, your draft and hold type of styles. Uh, I I don't want to do that in season long when you're dealing with the – that seems like a headache. Then now, let me ask you this. While we're talking about Jimmy G, what is your preferred landing spot for fantasy? Or are you just kind of like, Jimmy G, why are you talking about Jimmy G, Matt
1: Preferred landing spot for Jimmy G, I think. I mean, the Giants just make sense because the way that offense is going to be structured with Brian DeVolte running it. You know, so that's – I'm indifferent on it, man. I just – I think the Giants just make the most sense.
0: My favorite landing spot would be the Seattle Seahawks. Give DK some accurate targets. He can hand the ball off real good. He showcased that in San Francisco. Although I don't know if they make an interdivision trade, but we're not going to talk about NFL trades right now. Uh, that's uh, any any last thoughts on, on the my, my Scott Fishbowl draft? Your draft coming up, or are you ready to uh, hit the uh, the gear switch here and get to the next level?
1: I'm here to, I'm here to hit the. Gear switch
0: here. Is that even a saying? Did I just completely pull that out of my ass? Probably. Gear switch to the next level? What was I thinking? In a car, when you're shifting gears, let's shift gears to the next level.
1: No, I like the other one better. Change gears? Change gears.
0: All right. There's the the episode title Change Gears. All right. So we have five trades here uh, that we're going to go ahead and break down. this is for dynasty not redraft. A lot of our stuff lately's been redrafted. We're going to continue with that redraft theme uh coming up to draft season cuz I think it's very important for t- leagues that are redraft to start preparing real soon cuz uh before you know it there will be NFL games played. So these but these however are five dynasty trades. So they are made in the offseason, which is presents a whole a whole different line of, of fun tangibles here that we we, we or, or variables that we can break down. But the first one here And I'm very curious to get your opinion on. This guy is getting Jalen Waddle. And he's giving up Deontay Johnson in the Dynasty PPR League.
1: That's kind of a fair trade, to be honest. I just, like, Deontay Johnson is good. Jalen Waddle is good. Deontay Johnson, I believe, is in, in, what, year five? And Jaylen Waddle's sophomore year, I think that's good value in getting Jalen Waddle. I mean, listen, last year with everything that happened, that man had over 100 receptions. Does he take a hit with Tyreek in town? Maybe we have to wait and see. But Deontay Johnson could be taking a hit too because Chase Claypool could take that that year three leap with a guy like Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett throwing him the football this season. I think it's an even trade. E- I think it's a a B plus trade. It evens out both sides. You get
0: It was so huge even upsides. it made you yawn.
1: Yep. <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs> you get you get huge upside there, excuse me. And I just I don't know realistically who wins that deal cuz I think they're both kind of on the same level as of targets and receptions and receiving yards was
0: yeah, I, for me, I think I'm going to give the edge to the guy receiving Waddle, so I'm going to give him a C plus. Uh, so, that, you know, inversely, I give the gentleman giving up Deontay Johnson C minus. That's how I look at it. But Deontay, he he was RB, he was wide receiver eight on a points per game basis last year, but he was wide receiver 22 on a points per game basis in 2020. So there. You know, he's not like a prolific producer. Like, I love his talent profile. I think he's a very good NFL receiver. But he has some of the same question marks that Jalen Waddle does that you just mentioned. There is a crowded wide receiver room. They just drafted George Pickens. You know, they may be two different quarterbacks that that see time this year. You still have Najee Harris and Pat Frymuth. There's just a lot of, of things you really have to look at when you're talking about the Steelers' offense as a whole. And on the other side of that coin, the Dolphins are looking a lot say, a, a lot similar. You know Tyreek Hill, Mike Geseki. We both like Chase Edmonds, but I'm gonna give the guy. I'm gonna give it to the prospect that I think has the the higher ceiling, in my opinion. And just athlete for athlete, give me the guy who runs the four three seven forty. You know, give me the guy who is a little bit younger, uh, has already proven he can handle the workload. He got a hundred forty two targets, a hundred receptions last year. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm gonna slightly give it to Waddle, but. And you know, Deontay could sign a contract on a great in a great situation next year, and we could be doing a similar trade next year thinking like, damn, you 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 go fucked up trading away Jalen Waddle to get uh Deontay because Deontay's in a juicy, juicy situation. But we're talking about here, we're talking about the now. I think we're both on the same page, it's pretty even, but we you know we kind of had to break it down a little bit. Second trade on the docket includes someone you hate. And someone you've already talked quite nicely about. But this uh, team builder is getting Mike Williams and Rashad Penny. And they're giving away DK
1: Metcalf. I think if you're giving away DK Metcalf, you can get a little bit better. (laughs) I think Rashad Penny is great. Rashad Penny is a guy that, in redraft this year, you want. Dynasty-wise, I'm not really sure. Here's why. Running backs have such a short life cycle. DK Metcalf is in year three, and he's been it's three it's three or four, right?
0: DK, he's just going to be his fourth year because he, uh, he could be a free agent.
1: Yeah, correct. So this is year four for DK Metcalf, and you're only getting Mike Williams, who is touchdown dependent, and Rashad Penny, the guy who got DK Metcalf, absolutely fleeced the other man. That's all I'm gonna say. DK Metcalf, A minus. The other side, I'm going C minus.
0: Uh, yeah, for the for the person getting the package, the two players, I, I gotta give it a D. Uh, I think it, I think you're selling DK too short, especially in Dynasty and i know rashad penny was an absolute menace from weeks 14 to 18 uh he ran the ball he had over 100 r- r- uh, rushing yards four of his last five games he had six total touchdowns i mean the guy went nuts but uh, i'm not willing to completely just rot, like you know write off a guy like ken walker uh, I'm not really going to get into how I value him. I just think he's a talented guy, and if he's going to make this more of a split that that you know, someone who rosters Rashad Penny would like to see, neither guy is really all that proficient in the passing game. Uh, I th- last year, Rashad Penny, the, the high-end targets he started giving game was three, uh, and we're talking about a, a, who knows what kind of offense. So I'm not super thrilled on – Henny in 2022. I know some people are, and like I said, for good reason. He was an absolute league winner last year. And Mike Williams, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I rostered Mike Williams in the league last year. We talked about it on former shows, and it just felt he just he ultimately let you, let me down last year. I know he finished as a top 15 producer, but on a weekly basis, on a on a matchup basis, where you're having to put him in, it's not best ball. He let me down too often. He was the reason why I lost too many matchups. And that just kind of sticks with you. That just sticks in your ribs. You just can't ever get rid of that bad feeling. And so I'm just not all that thrilled to roster him going forward. He's also injury prone. And part of me wanted him to sign elsewhere in the offseason because I wanted to have a new shiny favorite target of, uh, you know, on the cheat on the chargers to play with Justin Herbert. They had drafted, you know, Chris Olave or something cool like that. That would have been right. Exactly what I would have wanted to see, but Mike Williams, I understand his appeal. I understand his appeal even more in best ball, but in this particular trade, I'm not about it. So I'm giving this person a D. Neither one of us would have said yes. If we were rostering DK Metcalf, Third trade on the uh, list here tonight. Another guy we mentioned earlier. So, man, this is really truly working out to give you some real in-depth uh, uh, football talk. A.J. Dillon and Mark Andrews. for Mike Kaseki and Najee Harris. So they're getting A.J. Dillon and Mark Andrews and giving away Mike Kaseki and Najee Harris. Obviously, one's gaining talent at running back. In sacrificing a little of that wide uh, tight end. So, which of that seesaw would you rather have, Jones?
1: I think, as a companion, to say anything with Mike Gasecki is positive. But I think Gasecki could be more consistent than AJ Dillon for, at times this year. AJ Dillon could be the future of the Green Bay Packers and running back. We don't necessarily know. Mark Andrews is. Going to be in Baltimore for a while. For dynasty purposes, I think I'll lean Andrews and Dylan, But, I mean, listen, you got Najee Harris basically for Mark Andrews. I think the Najee Harris side, you know, you get Najee Harris, you're getting a second-year running back. But, again, the life cycles of running backs in this league aren't as long as they used to be. So... Aline Andrews and Dylan for right
0: now. I'm with you. I am gonna do that as well. You know, Mark Andrews is a beast. He led tight ends in 17 different performance metrics last year. That's how good of a season he had. And if this is a tight end premium league of any sort, you gotta get a guy like Andrews. Gasecki has the talent, he has the athleticism, but he's never really truly broke out in any necess- you know, any real significant way. AJ Dillon I know his there are some um knocks against him I know not everyone loves him I just I love to, what I've seen out of him this uh, the, you know in his career so far last year he was fifth in expected points added and uh 16th in yards created so he's performing like a top 20 guy in multiple metrics and without Devontae Adams it's just there's such a big question mark on how the floor and Rodgers operate this offense you know their offensive coordinator Is the head coach in Denver? Do they just have him, you know, AJ Dillon grind more to have AJ, I mean, to have Aaron Jones out in the flat, I mean, out in slot, uh, you know, kind of running more routes? I I think that AJ Dillon has a a real chance of not only producing early, but I think you're going to want this guy for your playoff run. Uh, I think he's, I know it's kind of hard to predict so far in advance. Still, I'm really excited about his 2022 prospects, so I'm with you there. Give me AJ Dillon and Mark Andrews slightly, but Najee still got him as a top three. Dynasty running back, I think he's just a no-knock on him whatsoever. Next trade on the list, our first trade involving a draft pick. I wanted to get one of those in there. You know what I mean? That's important for Dynasty, obviously. This person is receiving Kenny Pickett and a 2023 round one. And they are giving away Russell, Mr. Unlimited Wilson. What you got here? Now, now let's say for our listeners, I imagine the round one is going to mid to is going to be mid to late. That's just my guess. Because if they're going after Russ Wilson, they believe they're a contender. Maybe they are a absolute contender. So I don't think this is going to be a juicy round one pick next year, but it is a stacked draft. So how would you grade this pick? I mean this this trade.
1: Russell Wilson. Plain and simple. Russell Wilson.
0: Russell Wilson, baby, I'm with Don't get
1: you. me wrong. So, thinking about next year, right? You're in the middle. Thinking of, say, average 10, 12. Right? Early. looking at the 2023 NFL draft, if you don't have the top couple picks, it's going to be a little bit hard. However, you know who's going to be an absolute star in next year's rookie draft? Who? Oh, buddy. Who? you going to ask me who?
0: It's well, yeah, because I, I think this class is freaking loaded. I think you can have yes. anything through the 110 and be happy. And in Superflex, I think the entire first round is going to be valuable. Very valuable. Yeah,
1: and you know who's going to be the most valuable player out of that? B.
0: Really... Rob. B. Rob. B. Rob. Nope. So
1: it's going to be whatever team decides hey, we need a wide receiver. This kid from Ohio State's pretty good. I'm talking Jackson and Smith, the Jeep, baby. Yeah. He's going to be an absolute stud. I think right now, looking at what this draft could be, I think Bryce Young. I'm sorry, that we're going off topic here but Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are the two quarterbacks that people want potentially in superflex those could be the top 2 picks in rookie drafts next year
0: don't sleep on Will Levis quarterback uh, from Kentucky that's nah, someone who could have serious helium don't sleep on Will Levis not to not to not, us, not to usurp, not to you know he's i, I don't think he's going to push aside stroud or bryce young but i think he could be the number 3 pick that's
1: I think is upside down. I think I'm very high on Tyler Van Dyke out of the U. Another
0: that's one. Up. Another one. That's, was a, personal, a, very high that's a
1: personal one for me. But mm-hmm. uh there's two there's just two again, it is talented, do not do not get me wrong. But a bunch of these depend on where they go. So another one for me, receiver wise is Jordan Addison. Jordan is gonna be a late first round pick next year. Jordan Allison ends up in a team like the LA Chargers. He's going to be their cleared wide receiver too, and Mike Williams is out of a job. Let's be honest.
0: And I don't know how the contract will play a role in that, but in terms of skill set, I think you're right. that that There are players in next year's draft that could really shake up lineups in the NFL, but you're making the case for the person receiving the round one pick with Kenny Pickett. I am
1: correct. I am. I am. But It's Kenny Pickett. So if – if I'm doing it, I... Small hands,
0: small hands.
1: So so here's, here's my thought process here. It's Russ this year, but if I'm looking at Dynasty purposes, depending on what that pick comes out of, because I don't think you're going to get any sort of value for Kenny Pickett, depending on what that pick comes out of. So if we're talking about this at this time next year, and you tell me that this guy gets Jackson Smith Najaba at that pick, I'm going to tell, tell you that he won that trade.
0: I think it's Jackson Smith and the Jigba, but I like Nick Java way better.
1: Najaba, baby. Come on. I like Nick way better, baby. It's like DJ I call yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm,
0: the, uh, I can't really disagree with you a whole lot. Um, I will add this, though. There's uh, an aspect of trading draft picks that isn't always talked about. Uh, when you're trading them away this early, you have to also factor in time in the ability to re- reacquire another first, get that pick back, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, that that to me uh doesn't at all mitigate the value of a round one pick, especially on in a draft that's this loaded, no doubt about it. Like in the Dynasty League we're in together, I actively went after round one picks for twenty twenty three. So I'm not sitting here Correct. saying I remember
1: you you traded you traded me one. I, I traded you while
0: Yes, I very much am trying to invest in the 2023 class. So that's all I'm saying. But I, I think when you make a trade involving next year's draft pick now, the value has to come down in terms of what you're giving away, not for what you're receiving, but if you're giving away because you have the time to pivot and get another pick back. Uh, you know, a given season can be an insane roller coaster ride where, you know, I've had that, that happen to me last year. I was, I fell. I was, a, I had some bad luck out of the gate. Decided to invest in the future. Caught fire. Started trading away assets to kind of gain, you know, a little bit of momentum in the here and now. Had some bad luck once again. Here I am complaining, and then I, you know, I have a bunch of draft picks, and I basically am ready to to you know regather my my squad for next year. So I, I think that's why I, I'm going to give a little bit more Russ Wilson because he can have so much impact now and even so, next year.
1: Fun fact for you: in in our dynasty, I got offered Najee Harris for
0: a 2023 first, a 2024 first and a
1: 2025 first. Do you think you can win this year?
0: Potentially, yeah. That's tough because you have you're such you're so handcuffed to sell at some point to recuperate some of those assets that it does make it tough. But I mean, if you think you can you get it for a championship, uh, you know, selling the farm for a championship. Winning in 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 you know, strong fantasy leagues is not easy it's not and and so sometimes if you want to push your chips in and go crazy i kind of will give a little bit of sympathy in that direction even though i think most would say no you're crazy to give up all those picked assets for for Najee, but you can always get them back you got time to get them back and if you feel like you're a contender start there so i don't know if that's good advice bad advice or no advice at all but that's just kind of how I land on the whole thing, uh, as in that situation and in general. Uh, the last trade here that we're going to talk about tonight is actually one I made in a separate dynasty league and I caught some flack for it. Uh, so much so gave me a little bit of buyer's remorse in my, uh, in my, you know, after it was done, the league was chirping at your boy, made me a little sad. Uh, kind of made me regret making the trade. So let me see, uh, what you think here. I received Zach Ertz. And Chris Evans, and I traded away Damian Harris. It's a good trade. I thought so, but I was literally being laughed at the group chat. People oh. would put me on blast. They were throwing other bad trade offers of mine because you know sometimes your boy shoots from the hip. I I don't always have time to to whine and dine somebody and make an IQ trade. I'll just start shooting from the hip on some some nonsense sometimes. So. People put me on blast saying this and that. But, you know, I made the trade, and I thought I liked it. What are your thoughts?
1: I like that trade, honestly. I mean, Damian Harris, I think, takes a step back. And I think there's some potential that Pierre Strong going to get a much more workload as the, the new James White of that team. And I think, realistically, DeAndre Stevenson, we could see some potential coming out of there. Ramondre Stevenson takes a bigger workload. Heading into the season as well, I, I don't know. I, Damon Harris, to me, it's it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to go he continues to be the bell of the team, or he takes a giant step back. I like Zach Ertz with the Arizona Cardinals, so I think I think you won that trade.
0: It's see, going so for a little bit of context here, because you know it was a trade that I made, so I have the luxury of bringing up context. Uh. I, I was looking at Evan Ingram and uh, Mo Alley Cox as, you know, really my tight end t- depth. I had tried shopping Damien Harris all around town to no avail. And this I was able to lock in. Zach Hirtz is he's been playing since 2013. He's only finished outside of the top 15 at his position three times. And of those three, two was his first two years in the league. So he's been a perennial producer last year. He was tight end 10 on a points per game basis. And the Cardinals re- him, uh, re-upped his contract for three seasons. So they have faith in him at least being a producer this season. He's 31. He's right around Travis Kelsey age, his age. People are told that taking Kelsey as the tight end one with a bullet. Why can't Zach Ertz continue to pepper in a top 10, top 8 tight end performance Uh you know, so I I, I like the And Chris Evans is one misfortunate injury to Joe Mixon away from being a potential like stud. I really like Chris Evans this year in Dynasty as as a long you know long shot. I'm not sitting here saying to get excited. He's definitely going to do something. He's a sixth round draft pick from Michigan uh, in 2021, but his best comp is, is Damian Harris, who's shown he can perform. I know it's kind of funny because I just traded him away in the same deal, but I think he can handle a lot of the of the. The lion's share of touches. If there was a big injury to Mixon, in, uh, obviously he wouldn't be the bell cow, but I think he'd be absolutely uh, valuable in the dynasty format. So, yeah. So uh, it seems like you you came you came my rescue here a little bit, Jones. And I very much appreciate that.
1: That's what I do around here.
0: My oh, man. So that's actually going to wrap up this episode, Jones. Any final thoughts?
1: No, just stay tuned. Another. Great show this week. We got another good show next week and the week after. Stay
0: tuned. I can't wait to drop that. It's going to be so exciting. I'm going to tease
1: it every week.
0: We got to start teasing it all over. And why don't you tell our fine listeners where they can find you on socials and where they can find your fantasy football, gambling, all the stuff that you do.
1: Find find me on the socials at cjones212.12, and you can find – my written content now at bellyupfantasysports.com.
0: Gambling. Ooh, yeah, boy.
1: Fancy. Jeez. Gambling, fantasy. You're not going to want to miss it.
0: Do not miss out. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter and TikTok. I'm at Maddie Keelum. Follow the show on Twitter. We're at Cuman Jones, and we have a hot new TikTok account. It's at Cuman Jones underscore. Thank you all for listening. I'm Kiwoom. He's Jones. This is Kiwoom and Jones. Catch you next time. Peace.